You, you sure you don't need any help? No, not really. I'm sure he'll be here any minute. I want them out of here. I called. What should I do? We really appreciate this. It's two o'clock in the morning. Oh, you got the Civil War book. I saw some of that show. It was wonderful. 620 million people died. Thousand. Thousand. 620,000. The horror, the horror. The wife keeps giving us dirty looks. Are you sure you gave him the right directions? Yes, yes. You sure there's nothing we can do? No! I am not going to bed with them in our house. This is ridiculous. You know, a friend of my father's used to live right around here. Mike Wichter. He sold plastic straws. You know the ones? You could bend them. Welcome to Talking Seinfeld, the podcast where we discuss everything we know about the show about nothing. This week we are here to review the last episode. Yes, it is a season two episode amongst season three. It is known as The Stranded. I am Dando. And I am Guy. Oh, how you doing there, Dando? Everything cool? I'm doing very good. Listeners of our Four Finger Discount podcast will be very well aware that I quit my job last week and I feel free. I'm a free man. Now, what? Wait, what? Why would I quit my job, you say, at a time when um, inflation is on the rise and uh, it seems a recession is coming? Well, first of all, I wasn't happy. And you know what? When you're not happy, you do something about it. So I did that. But it's because I want to turn this little podcast venture we have going here into a career, into a job. And the only way to do so is to leave my actual job and put all my energy into this. So that's exactly what we're going to be doing here at the Four Finger Discount Network here where the, uh, where the Talking Seinfeld is brought to you by. So at Four Finger Discount, we have Talking Seinfeld going down to South Park, the one about friends, and of course, the Simpsons podcast, Four Finger Discount. And if you're a patron, you get access to our Talking, uh, sorry, Tales of Futurama podcast as well as uh, Guy on Springfield, where we revisit classic episodes of The Simpsons, movie reviews, and much, much more. But yeah, so the best way to support this little crazy idea of mine would be becoming a patron of Four Finger Discount. But if you can't do that, that's perfectly fine. I understand. Money's tight these days. You can just retweet an episode of, of the show or you can let your friends know. They're Seinfeld fans. Let them know that the show's out there. And the more and more support we have, the more chance this can grow into the empire that I envision. But uh, without your support, this cannot happen. But I do appreciate all the support you've given to the show so far. Anyway, just listening to us. You guys are absolute legends. Love each and every one of you. But yes, I've quit my job. This is now the thing. You're going to be getting this show every second week now, bi-weekly, guaranteed, in your ears, talking Seinfeld. I'm excited, Mr. Davis. What about you? Um, I'm less excited than you, but uh, no, no, I'm extremely excited. This is, uh, this is terrific news. I must confess to being a little um, uh, bewildered by this whole notion that if you're, un- if you're unhappy, do something about it. I mean, that just strikes me as weird and yeah, counterproductive. Yeah. No, just stay miserable forever. Just miserable and co- just complain and procrastinate. <laughs> it's worked for me for years. <laughs> oh, but... One would say I could find myself stranded in that uh, frame of mind, which is a very silky segue into talking about The Stranded. Now, refresh my memory or tell me a little more. This is actually season two episode airing in season three. Yeah, so what happened was they originally produced this episode and they originally recorded in January, I believe, of 91, early 91. And Larry David just wasn't happy with it. He thought, no, no good, no good, no good. So they postponed it and they delayed it. And it actually ended up... Uh, airing during season three. So I think it's like episode 10 of season three here. Meant to be season two. And you can tell. 
There's little things throughout yeah. the episode where you go, this doesn't feel right. One of the which one of which being George still has a job as a real estate agent, right? So yes. he doesn't do that anymore. You know, he, he's quit, right? But uh, when they originally aired this episode, they actually had Jerry record a little intro to say, hey, here's the reason there's a continuity error. This was actually filmed a long time ago, meant to air a long time ago. Uh, we didn't like it. But here it is. So it's been. Ref- it was referred to as the lost episode. I think that's how they marketed it. The lost episode of Seinfeld. And honestly, you can really, t- as I said, you can tell yes. it's. It doesn't feel right. It feels out of place when you're watching all the other season three episodes. Not just the continuity. It's just the feel of the episode, the overall look, the characters on the show. They they don't feel as fleshed out anymore. It, it, it stood out. I was like, what? This feels weird. Did some research. Ah, well, that explains it. I am certainly glad you brought this to my attention because, well, A, I'm not as diligent with my research as you are, but watching this, I was going, hmm, this is a bit of a, a little bit of a lapse in quality. This isn't quite as Seinfeldian, you might say, as, as the episodes we've enjoyed up until now. Yeah. It feels, yeah, like they've lagged a little bit and now we know why. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it was originally meant to air last season, but, you know. For a season two episode, I'm sure we would have gone, yeah, this is quality. But as the show has evolved since then, mm-hmm. so this felt a little lackluster compared to the episodes that we've been reviewing recently. But yeah, yeah. so Larry David wasn't a fan, and um, so he made them postpone it. But anyway, th- th- I, I say that um, it was aired in early 91. That's obvious because I watched an interview with Michael Schickless. I want to say his last... Is it Schickless? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Schickless from The Shield. I've known him from The Shield, but he stars in this episode as Steve. Well, I watched an interview with him discussing his role on the show, and he was saying that when they were about to start filming this was when uh, in Tel Aviv the Iraqi rockets hit uh, in Israel, and Jerry's parents were there at the time. Oh, so there was absolute panic backstage, and I'm not sure whether he said Jerry particular was freaking out. You can Im- imagine he would have been, but there yeah. were people freaking out. They were worrying about Jerry's parents, and it was just like right, lights, camera, action, let's go. So it was that. That's at the time of when they were filming. Shit was going the mood down. was a little off. Yeah, the mood yes. was off, but he actually thought that it helped them bring out the a better performance because they were sort of tense and angry, and like the the roles of Elaine and Jerry are meant to be tense in that in that episode. So it brought out that angst. Well, the episode's all about awkwardness, awkwardness and it? angst. Yeah, it's a very curb episode. Guess you could say that certainly. Yeah, because because no, normally they're not this angry, are they? That that George is usually angry, but Elaine sort of. I don't know, yeah, the, the awkwardness of it all just sort of felt, it felt very season two. Tension is the best word for yeah, it. Tension. Yeah, tension. It, yep. it, it feels like this could go sideways into, you know, like a Jordan Peele movie any moment. It starts off funny. It's like, oh no, this situation's getting weird, man. <laughs> so, uh, but it was, it was very well played by all concerned. And look, it was a, a terrific surprise uh, for me to see uh, Michael Chiklis or Chiklis or however he chooses to pronounce it, but uh, Vic Mackey himself from The Shield, yeah. complete with a head of, well, very, very thinning hair. But, uh, I mean, I think when it comes to S- Seinfeld guest stars, like the big name ones, I guess the, the two that immediately spring to mind are Terry Hatcher, for mm-hmm. obvious reasons, yep. um, and for me, it's James Spader, who I'm a big fan of. I'm like, oh, Spader showed up on Seinfeld. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, but of course, there been other big names on the show throughout the uh, throughout its run. Before there were big names, or you know, like Brian Cranston, for instance, or uh, Denise Richards from yes. Wild Things, I believe, yep. shows up. She was um, the NBC <laughs> guy's daughter, I believe, with the cleavage. Was that? Denise? That's correct. Yes, yeah. in a very in an episode that's got a things that make you go. <laughs> <laughs> Not at the time, but now. Um, but I'd forgotten that uh, that Michael Chiklis was actually in it. So. When he pops up, and it's it's interesting because 
of course, now he's synonymous with Vic Mackey as this you know hard-ass cop. Mm. He really got his his breakout role was a few years prior to this, uh, playing John Belushi in a biopic called Wired. No which shit. Is, yeah, okay. yeah. It was a terrible movie. <laughs> Nobody liked it. Uh, but everyone was like, this guy's really good as Belushi. So, you know, his career took a little while to get going. He was the star of a show called The Commission before he was on The Shield. He was like the police commissioner. Um, and again, sort of a roly-poly nice guy. But he, he, I interviewed him ages ago because he played The Thing in those Fantastic Four movies, remember? Yes, of course he did. Yeah, yeah. And um, asking him about sort of the course of his career and how The Shield changed things for him, he goes, yeah, look, I was either not going to get any work or I was just going to get typecast as this cuddly teddy bear type. So I had to shave my head and drop a heap of weight and just, you know, get myself a bit jacked. That's to say that. I watched the in-, in the interview. He said, I'm sick of being the nice guy. I'm fucking shaving my head. I'm going to exercise three hours a day in the gym and, and get that role that I want. Yeah, yeah. But looking at him here, I mean, <laughs> it's a really interesting performance. I mean, he's funny, but he's also, it's got that tension as well. I yeah, mean, he has that like, vibe of just like he could just lose it at any minute. It's like, it, this guy seems cool, but I'm not sure if he is cool. <laughs> Well, yeah, and then, well, as we'll talk about as the episode progresses, like, who rocks up to someone's apartment and then does all this? Yes, so, but um, it reminds me, so this, I know no one likes Dane Cook anymore, right? But it reminds me of a Dane <laughs> Cook routine where he's talking about a bank heist. And he's like, there's always that one guy, like, he seems cool, you know, he's down with it. And then, you know, you're about to sort of get away and all of a sudden he just rocks up and goes, let's kill some bitches. That's what <laughs> Steve reminds me of. You just be like, you'd be the cool guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm down for whatever. Yep, yeah, 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 I understand. And then at the last minute he just goes, let's just fucking kill everyone. And you're like, Steve, calm down. No, <laughs> Steve. <laughs> We're about to get away with it. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I, I thought he brought, he brought a, a unique twist to the character. Especially, yeah. you can tell the character of Steve is, he's unhappy with his life. And he's just like, I want to get away, man. <laughs> it's it's hard to get a handle on him. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right in that, yeah, he seems sort of miserable with his life or longing for some kind of diversion or escape. But it's like, you know, when you first see him, he's like sort of smiling and happy. But Yeah, he seems like a nice guy, yeah. yeah oh, it, it, it's an odd one to get a handle of and his performance yeah, sort of. It doesn't set the tone for the episode because he doesn't show up until maybe two thirds into it, but he really encapsulates the tone of it. As you said earlier, like a peel character, where like you thought, like, oh, he seems like a nice guy, and all of a sudden his shit starts twisting. You're like, hey, wait a minute, mm. that's not the guy I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he also said in the um, in the interview I watched that he went to the same university, Boston, um, B- uh, BU, as he said, Boston BU. University, as um, Jason Alexander. So they were able to oh. bond a lot um, backstage about they had the same professors and things like that. And he said it's always a sense of pride when someone from your university is doing well for themselves as well. And Absolutely. <laughs> he also knew Larry David. So he used to bartend, Michael used to bartend when he first moved to uh, to New York in 86 at a place called, I think he said Ugrad, and it was in Soho. And he okay. said Larry David used to do a lot of stand-up there. So he um, that's where he first sort of met Larry David and sort of sort of doing some stand-up. He said it was just like a 90-seat house, just a small place. But he said all the big names used to like go there, sort of like secret gigs kind of thing. But he mm-hmm. said he saw Ray Romano do his very first set there. Oh, uh, wow. Very first stand-up set ever. And it was in that place. And Michael was bartending at the time. Yeah. I thought oh, it was pretty neat. cool. But yeah, he reckons that though, as you were saying earlier, The Shield, right? This interview may have came before The Shield. I don't think it was. I think it was after The Shield. I personally know him as the guy from The Shield, but he still thinks yeah. to this day that he is most known for this role. He reckons that he still gets more money from residuals of doing this episode than anything else he's ever done. Oh, wow. It just goes to show the power <laughs> of Seinfeld, doesn't it? Can you imagine how much those broadcast rights must be for oh Seinfeld? Holy Christmas, man. Like that Netflix deal. I wonder how much they actually got for that. Would have been astronomical. Oh, the numbers just are too dizzying to even 
try and reckon with for mine. I mean, but no, Jerry's probably just, you know, laying back. Ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Very happy himself. I think I might buy another Porsche today. I think the fact, right, because at the time in 98, when he said, that's it, show's finished, right, and they wanted to keep going, he was like, no, nah, we're done, right? We're going out number one. At the time, everyone's like, you're fucking mad. You're leaving so much money on the table. Why would you think this? Upon reflection, 20 years later, it was actually a genius decision because the show never hit, never went down, right? Which yeah. means the show's worth more now as a result of him leaving cash on the table back in 98, don't you reckon? Oh, yeah. Everyone's you know tuning in because there are no dud episodes. There's no, there is no dud. And it went out on a, such a high. It's just like, oh, wow. Okay. So, like, 20 years later, the show is yeah. worth- a, a, Arguably more now than it was back then. Yeah, you can sell to Netflix or whoever, not quite a package deal, but it's like, yeah, here's a whole heap of episodes and, yeah, it'll keep people engaged. It'll keep people locked on. It'd be like The Simpsons if they never went after season 10 as a package deal. It'd be, you know, I mean, I love the fact that The Simpsons is still going. It gives us shit to yeah. talk about, obviously. But I, I and The Simpsons to me is almost like a family member now. I just never want to see it end. But, yeah, can you imagine now how much Simpsons... <laughs> I think The Simpsons is just worth... A lot, regardless. Like the Simpsons must be worth. Do we reckon it's a billion dollar industry? The Simpsons, taking into account the number of episodes, uh, plus all the merch. Yep, the merch. <laughs> that's the killer. That's that's where you make all your money, of course. Yeah. Plus, I mean, they built it in a fucking area of a theme park around the Simpsons. So, but enough about the Simpsons. Here about Seinfeld and yeah. uh, Terry Austin. She plays uh, Ava, George's lover, in this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, what I thought was interesting was she plays a character here who's wearing some fur. Right, and Elaine's a big. She's very against it, right? She's a, a yes. vegetarian, or pe- pe- is it pescatarian? Pesca- pescatarian, pescatarian, yes. And she actually quit acting in two thousand and one to become an animal activist. Uh, oh. Terry Austin did, yeah, and she created the Amanda Foundation, who focus on pet homelessness and trying to give pets that are going to be put down new homes. Terry Austin, yes, round of applause for Terry Austin. Just very funny nice. how her character is like the the evil witch wearing fur in this, but she's actually now an animal activist. They lit the fuse 10 years ago or 10 years earlier and it just took a little while to uh, to explode. Exactly right. Um, I feel like I'm outing my mum saying this, but my mum has a beautiful Russian black Mick fur coat mm-hmm. uh, that she bought back in like 1980 or something. And it's just deep in the back of a cupboard <laughs> at her place. Every once in a while, and it's in the coat cupboard. And every once in a while, we'll sort of open it up and... Oh, that coat's still in there. It's so nice. And mum's like, it's so nice. Yes. But <laughs> she can't wear it out. <laughs> and you can see it. She's sort of fuming about it. It's like, I've, she's like, one day before I die, I'm just going to go walk outside. I don't care if it's summer. <laughs> I mean, people, even in 91, were angry about it. Can you imagine the rage now? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> 30 years later, yeah. There were, if she... She wouldn't go more than like a block in town, I reckon, where people just going, can you believe that old bitch? Where oh, just, <laughs> you know, just get red paint on her, splashed on her by Peter. That is a good one, Stu. Yeah. <laughs> one of my favourites. Let's discuss our favourite moments from the episode, shall we, Mr. Davis? So what did you like the most about The Stranded? We've already talked about Michael Chiklis. I mean, I've written Danny. Hey, that's Vic Mackey. <laughs> um, um, I just love his first line, though. You know, when uh, Jerry's saying, oh. Can I use your phone? it? Yeah, like, oh, are you a gift? Nah, I just live here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's it's a really great again encapsulation of just like you really you almost get a sense of who this guy is just from that first line is like eh, I'm trying to you know make it a bit funny, but I'm um, yeah don't think I'm too happy here. All this kind of business. 
I just really loved his performance. One of my favourite parts of the whole episode. Again, going to be singing the praise of Julia Louis-Dreyfus here, but uh, her line about the dingo. I mean, that. but the actress before then, who was just that bit player who was all the... My fiance, yeah, who she was just making a meal of saying fiance, just really enjoying it clearly, and then JLD swoops in with the dingo line, which yeah. I'd forgotten was from this episode. That was great. Um, I like Jerry being a real mensch to George for a change, and you know, I like when, that as well. Yeah, yeah, the minutes that uh, George makes it clear, like, Mike, get lucky tonight. Jerry's like, go for it, man. Yeah. We'll get our own. We'll make our own way home. Yeah. It's like Jerry, that's so cool. Good and when and when George is like, oh, I don't know, he's like, man. You've got to go on for it. You'll be fine. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but my favourite bit was probably, and this is just a one, oh, a couple of lines that this uh, that this uh, supporting actress had. But I think she says something about, oh, you're a comedian. Yeah, I remember you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a burn. Just, just showing how much Jerry is not enjoying this party. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Uh, how about you, Dan? What were your, some of your favourites? I liked getting back to that conversation with Jerry and George. I just liked the, the make love to me conversation. I thought it was just <laughs> so... True, so relatable. It is intimidating when someone if someone would say that to you. But just the last time someone said that to me, I ended up apologising to her. <laughs> <laughs> what am I in a circus? Yeah, <laughs> that was what such a great line. Yeah, <laughs> I also loved pendant those bastards. <laughs> just like it's terrific that they have that sort of shorthand with each other. It's like you can swoop in and crack a bit of a one liner. That'll get her out of it, or that'll be like, excuse me, got to deal with this guy. Yeah, yeah. That- that was really funny. But you know what that was? It was a throwback. And it feels like a throwback now because this is meant to be a season two episode. But that's what Elaine's dad says about Pendant in the jacket. Oh. Those bastards. <laughs> <laughs> and also from that same episode, the jacket, Kramer has the story of where he's trying to, he's looking after the dubs for the magician, right? Oh, that's okay. And that's, the, and that's, and that's the what they're that talking about here yeah. with the magicians and the doves. Could you spell that, please? No. Next question. All right, it is now time for some trivia, Mr. Davis, for The Stranded. You kick off. What do you got for me? What question do you have? All right, then. Ava sold which property? Oh, damn. Good question. I don't know. Which property did she sell? 129 West 81st. West 81st. My first question is, where did the medication that George was holding in the opening scene, where was it made? Oh, it's a place what? they like to hang shit on nearly on, on every show that we fucking review. <laughs> Futurama, Jersey? Simpsons. Yeah, Jersey? New, New Jersey. Jersey. Yeah. But the, yeah, what was the... Gary's uh, was from like White Plains, White Plains. or something? Yeah, that's what, he, Plains, that's what yeah. he goes with. Yeah. That's but yeah, right, New Jersey. Yeah. What is it with New Jersey? Can listen, American listeners, let us know. Or if you're not an American, if you just know <laughs> why people like to hang shit on New Jersey, let us know. TalkingSeinfeld at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you guys. I've written down here, I'm not asking any medical questions because they were going through all the really Mm. complicated names of medication. I'm like, Dando asked one of these questions. I'm going to say, nah, nah, (laughs) nah. Could have written it down, but nah. I I, I was going to. I couldn't even spell the word. I was like, nah, if I can't even spell it, I'm not going to bother asking a question about (laughs) it. It's like, time is not on my side here. I don't have time to pause it every single Me, 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 me. (laughs) So, yes, I'm glad that you asked the question about where it's from, but not what the medication actually was. All right, my next question to you. How many people died in the Civil War? Ah, 620,000? 620 million. No, thousands. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of people. <laughs> I love that. The small talk. Jerry, Jerry, yeah, Jerry and Elaine are clearly intelligent people. And, and polite people. when they want and, to but, be. But quick. Yeah. yeah. And I just love them seeing them stymied. Right. What are we going to talk about? <laughs> We're so in the wrong here. Yeah. But we can't make it. 
there's only so many times we can apologise. We've got to try and get some conversation going so they don't hate us and they just can't come up with anything. I hate it when you are dependent on someone else to help you get you out of a situation and they're just unreliable. It's like, oh, oh yeah. It's like, I know they're coming. They said they'd be here. <laughs> <laughs> My next question is, or is it your turn for a question? No, no, I just asked. You me. just asked me one. Yeah, sorry. Uh, what was the temperature when they were driving home? It was 40 degrees. Yes, which equates to 4.4 degrees in Celsius. Oh, good golly. Mm. 80 miles an hour, 40 degrees Fahrenheit for 50 minutes. Yeah. With, with the top down. Oof. Not fun at all. No. I love that she's like, it's cold outside. Oh, wait till you get on the freeway. <laughs> 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 all right, what's your next one? What is the name of the gentleman who sold plastic straws? Hmm. I, sh- I do have that in my notes. And I'm not going to cheat. What Go, was it? That's cheat? not cheating. Right, you, let me have a cheat. You took, you took notes. That's right, work. It was. So this one, uh, Mike Wichter. Mike Wichter. Mike Wichter. There we go. <laughs> My final question I've got here for you is, what was the name of the escort? Oh. Oh. I, I, I wrote down the name of the number that you called to get the escort. Uh, I don't know what that is. What was that? That was 555 Love. 555 Love. Of course it was. Yeah, Kramer said it. So what, do you remember her name? She only says it once. I want to say Tammy. That's Patty. Sit close. Sish. <laughs> same, same amount of syllables. So, same. same uh, ends with an E. <laughs> in, ends with the Y. Same five letters. You were close. Ish. I was, I was in the neighborhood. I was in yeah. the ballpark. Very, very big ballpark. Any more questions for us? Um, how old is Jerry? He's 36. It's one of the rare times I actually discuss the age. We always know it's like mm. late 30s, but yeah, 36 specifically. That's, a, that's all I got for you. Yes. Alrighty. Well, that is trivia for The Stranded. We'll be right back, guys, after this short break with our full in-depth review of the episode. Oh, yeah. If you're a fan of everything we do here at Talking Seinfeld, you can support the show on Patreon, where not only will you get early ad-free access to the show, but you also get access to hours of bonus podcasts, access to our exclusive Facebook community, and so much more. So join the family today at patreon.com slash discount. Link is in the description of this podcast. If you feel like having yourself a time, then check out our new podcast, Going Down to South Park, where we go back and revisit every episode of the iconic series, dissecting the stories, reveling in chef sing-alongs, and chuckling at the occasional fart joke. Going Down to South Park is available now for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you're looking for a podcast that'll always be there for you, look no further than our new show, The One About Friends, hosted by myself and my incredible wife, Nicola. She is literally the biggest Friends fan I know, so who better to help me as we revisit every single episode of the show, discussing the characters, fashion trends, and how this iconic series still relates to our lives to this day. The One About Friends is available now on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. The original air date of The Stranded was November 27th, 1991. It was written by Larry David, Jerry Seinfeld, and Matt Goldman, and directed by Tom Sharones. The episode kicks off with some stand-up, of course, Mr. Davis. This time, he is discussing picking up communication when you look at the wall, and there's just so many different ones, and as he, he discusses the old commercials where it's like the guy looking sideways <laughs> with lightning hitting him. And It's funny. I mean, we, you don't really think of Seinfeld as a topical. political comedian, yeah. or, or especially topical, but... There's a really nicely savage line there where he's talking about, you know, that silhouette with the open yeah. mouth. It's like, this is a drunk company. See the public. Yeah, exactly basically what just, I've got here as well, yeah. Just just a hole to throw pills in. Yep, yep, yeah. <laughs> really good line. Yeah, so I, I really enjoyed that. They're at the drugstore, as we call them, chemist here in Australia. Mm. Um, George has fleas because I think it was his cousin's dog or something. 
Yeah, but it's such a classic Costanza thing to have happened to you. <laughs> it's like, why are you... It's like, of course he has fleas. Why, why are you scratching? I have fleas. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry suggests getting a little flea bow tie collar. Um, but he want, he says to Joe, you, you come to that party, aren't you? And he's like, oh, it's in Long Island. You're going to look desperate. It's so far. Everyone's going to say, you, you came all the way from Manhattan for this. True. I'm going to do a quick check because I want to find out how far it is from Manhattan to Long Island. I probably should have looked this up beforehand. But That should be on your fucking gravestone. I probably should look this up before we started recording. <laughs> I think I've said that maybe four times in the history of this podcast. It takes 15 minutes. It's not that long. It must take longer than that because it was 50 minutes in the car. Manhattan to Long Island City, Queens. Oh, hang on. The journey time between Long Island and Manhattan is about two hours. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not 15 and, minutes. <laughs> and covers, oh, that's the train. Okay. Average layover time of 31 minutes. So it's saying 15 miles here. Oh, 15 minutes, four miles. Can't be right. Must be something's incorrect there because they literally maybe they Maybe they built a new sort of express. Oh, possibly. Yeah, that makes sense. This was 30 years ago. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. But, um, but yeah, because I would drive for 50 minutes to get home. So it's obviously a, well, it was a long way in 1991, regardless, anyway. Okay. And, um, <laughs> but, and yeah, it's just like he doesn't want to come across desperate. And George's like, oh, Ava's going to be there. You know, the nice lady from work. And Joe's like, fucking fine, whatever. I do like the George. The nice one. Yeah, yeah, the nice one. It's going to be a good party. Why? There's going to be girls there. There's girls everywhere. Go to the elevator, there's girls there. What are you talking about? What, what do I care? There's girls over there in the corner. Uh, so he's, they start reading through the ingredients. Is, is that what they called ingredients for medication? That's a really good question. I don't know. Well, yeah, the, the stuff that makes up the, set, the medication. Because it's the same yeah. thing. But then, what have you got? I've got, I've got aloe. Oh, I do like aloe. <laughs> and um, they, dis- they discuss where they're both from. New Jersey, White Plains, goes with White Plains. And that seems like, especially in 1991, that would have been a very American gag. Like International mm. viewers would be like, I guess New Jersey's no good. I don't get the yeah. joke there. I think if you've been watching sitcoms for a while, you people don't seem to like New Jersey. Exactly. It, it was it was shorthand for a very long time. I'm like, this place sucks. George goes to um to purchase the medication and he pays for it and realizes that the cashier only gave him change for a ten when he actually gave her a twenty. I love the look on her face when he first approaches her. She's like, what's this motherfucker wanting to hurt? This actress's <laughs> name is Gwen Shepard, um, yes. the actress behind the other counter. But when she's like, what the fuck do you want? It's like, you know, I, I, I gave you a change for 20. You gave me a 10. Let's assess the situation here. <laughs> is it Jerry says, oh, boy, oh, boy, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Just a, and then he obviously gets told, told to take it outside. As His he's, he's anger words, his fight words, you haven't won. This is not over. <laughs> Being muscled out by a security guard, though, that's kind of, it's a little humiliating. I mean, the cops, I can understand. I've got legal authority, and I guess security guards do as well, but it was like, uh, I'm being muscled around by a renter cop, by a, yeah. I don't believe I owe this guy as much respect. No. All due respect, oh, yeah, better say, all due respect to all security guards out there. We're now at the party. And they walk in, and I like straight away. We have a discussion here between Jerry and Elaine. Well, don't stand here. Let's walk in, blend in, blend in. No, let's survey first. Camp here. That's what I'm like. I don't just walk into a party and just start blending. I need to go. All right, he looks like he could be kind of cool. I'm not going to fit in with those guys. What the hell is she wearing? I ain't going over there. Like, you, I, I like to survey everything first before I like and assess the situation before I just go head first into a party, especially if I don't know anybody. It's funny. I mean, I went to a party a couple of weeks ago with the lovely Louise. And, you know, they're primarily Louise's friends, although they're becoming my friends as well. Uh, and I think the first bit we got into conversation with were people that I'd never met. It was like, 
uh, am I stuck with some duds here? But no, they actually turned out to be really nice. So sometimes you roll the dice and it comes out pretty well. Well, you're just so, um, li- so likeable, Mr. Davis. That's all it is. Thank you, Mr. Dando. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Nicola's one of those people. She can literally go into a party and just have a conversation with And I like to feel that I am as well. Whether I'm enjoying the conversation as much as usual, I don't know. But I'm usually good at just creating shit small talk with somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I, I used to think I really sucked at it, but now I think I might have an aptitude for it. But yeah, as, as Jerry says, what could possess anyone to have a party? <laughs> I, I love that. <laughs> what would you want? I, I'm like that with like with the kids. Nicholas like we should maybe we should have Elliot's fifth birthday here next year. I was like, are you fucking mad <laughs> having someone else's children in my house? No, thank you. Our kids are messy enough. Yeah, it's perfectly with McDonald's down the road. <laughs> yeah, George sees uh, sees Ava. He walks off towards her, and and <laughs> I love the. Oh no, this has disaster written all over it. So they discuss, Jerry and Elaine discuss having a signal. What what can our signal be when, when something goes wrong? It's like, Elaine, how old are you? I'm 36. So let's discuss, let's, let's discuss the signal. So he suggests the chicken wing and then he suggests the head padding. So then cut to them having boring conversations with people. So Jerry's stuck with a guy who, the first thing he says is, you came all the way from Manhattan for this. That's <laughs> The wor- what's even worse though for Jerry is that he's not even standing; he's sitting. Yeah, yeah, you, it's like you, oh, stuck, you know yeah. that that's tough. I mean, you can sort of. I mean, it's it's hard to walk away from because, but it's a little easier. But getting up out of a cat's like, I really don't want to be anywhere near. No, exactly right. And then they get that. What do you do? And straight away starts patting his head. <laughs> so, and he, he, he questions, why are you patting your head? He says, I'm on Aldopa. Aldopa is the medication you take to uh, help with Parkinson's disease. That's correct, yes. Yeah. So he says, like, like, where do you get your stuff, your, your material from? He goes, oh, I hear voices in my head. He's a German man, though, so I have to get him translated. <laughs> it's, just, it's almost like just taking the piss of the conversation. Yeah. What a prick. <laughs> <laughs> Elaine, meanwhile, is also patting her head, wondering what the hell is going on. Why is he not coming over to save her? And this guy's <laughs> talking about George Washington Carver, who did a lot with peanuts, um, and he was very big on. He helped the uh, slaves get the most out of peanuts. So, like, they, because they were on rations a lot and things like that, so they were able to get a lot bang for their buck out of peanuts. But he just discussed here that he created peanut butter. That's not true, really. Yeah, yeah, because that's the common misconception. Yeah. People, when, when people say George Washington Carver, first of all, it's like, don't you mean George Washington? And secondly, it's like, hey, the dude who invented peanut butter, wrong on both counts. Yeah, he didn't didn't invent peanut butter. That's incorrect. Nor, uh, I, I, I doubt, as this gentleman might say, if he was that big on pecans or which are not even a nut. No, yeah. which, which, which isn't a nut? What's the legume? Um, he does say pecan. Yeah, I'm not sure yeah. whether he... I think cashews, he says. Cashews is a, is a, is a legume, yes. It's a right. legume, yes. I just love, however, that this <laughs> relatively boring gentleman says the line, imagine having so much passion for something. Let me ask you something. Where do you get your material? I hear a voice. What kind of voice? A man's voice, but he speaks in German, so I have to get it translated. How come you keep tapping your head? Uh, it's a nervous tick. I'm on L-Dopa. <laughs> on the other hand, you take a guy like George Washington Carver, the man devoted his whole life to the peanut. Imagine having so much passion for something. You know, people tell me I'm a funny guy. I've often wondered if he ever worked with the pecan. Yeah, me too. Now, is that considered a nut? Because I know the cashew is a legume. George, meanwhile, is stoked that Ava is interested in him. <laughs> Maybe a safe fell on her head. Such a diss. 
And Joe's like, cool, can we go home? He's like, now? Now? He's like, give me half an hour. You got half an hour. Okay. Have you ever been at a party like that, though, where not necessarily an occasion like this or a setup like this, but, you know, you've gone with some mates and you assume it's like, okay, well, the crew's out tonight. And then one's like, I think I might get lucky here. So I was like, oh, you're going to break up the squad. <laughs> I haven't had a squad in a long time. <laughs> up until about a year ago, I was the only one of my friends, my close-knit friends that had a kid. So, yeah. I actually had one of my other friends as a kid, but he moved to like Melbourne. It's just like, yeah, it's tr- distance and COVID. <laughs> Life. <laughs> Life in general, yeah. Um, but yeah, so Jerry then rescues Elaine. And the, the women, meanwhile, are not impressed with Jerry, are they? As you were saying earlier. And then we get the women that you were discussing with the fiancé. And she's just, mm. we get it. You're, you're engaged. You're engaged, yeah. yeah. Leave us alone. But it's, you know, when you start a new relationship and one you think is actually going to go somewhere, it's kind of hard to shut up about it. Yeah, but is, how, how new can this be if it's a fiancé? Some people just like to make them, it's like being engaged is like a, a prize, like they've, they've, oh, yeah. they've got, succeeded got, in life. <laughs> yeah, you're like that little, uh, not minion, but uh, what are those three-eyed things in Toy Story? The alien. Cla- yeah, with the claw. Yeah. <laughs> got, got picked. Got selected. I got, uh, yes, I've been chosen. <laughs> Goodbye, my friends. <laughs> I wonder what happened to my fiancé. I know he's here somewhere. Ellen, have you seen my fiancé? He's upstairs. Are you going upstairs? Tell my fiancé I'm looking for him. <laughs> I have lost my fiancé, the poor baby. <laughs> Maybe the dingo ate your baby. What? The dingo ate your baby. What's your thoughts on that? 30 years later, that line is not relevant anymore. You never hear anyone saying that anymore. It used to be, it was up there with shrimp on the barbie. But yeah. it's lost a lot of steam. You know why? I just think it's in poor taste. Because a fucking baby died, man. True. We probably shouldn't be... Ma- like, I know she said the dingo ate her baby. How was it ever considered funny that a fucking baby died and they made a joke out of it? I think for a very long time there was that shadow of a doubt that Lindy Chamberlain might have actually done it and tried what seemed like a very far-fetched excuse and then on yeah. top of that, you got the Australian accent, which is very fun to, uh, you know, for Americans to try and <laughs> to try and do and invariably butcher. I could see why people would do it. Regardless, it's still about a, a story. Regardless if it's real, a fucking baby died. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's a little nugget of cruelty in every every sweet joke. Yeah, I guess. And Ava wants she wants George to make love to her, and if Nicholas like just said that to me like up front, I'd be like. I don't know what to do now. I'm like, you, you immediately <laughs> panic. It's like, you feel well, like you're confident, but then when they say, well, I want you to actually make love to me, it's like, oh, shit. Oh, wait you're, a you're, you're expecting quality. Yes. <laughs> Sex I can do. Sex is the home brand stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you, you want name brand? Yeah. What? <laughs> you want upmarket? I can't give you that. Yeah. Sex is a task. Yeah, making Love making is an art. She told me she wants me. She told me she wants me to make love to her. What? She said that? Yeah. Get out of here. I swear. What did you say? I, oh, I, I, I can't. Come on, what did you say? Please, it's... it's, it's what? 
I... I, uh... I long for you. I long for you? I was so shocked. I was lucky I said anything. It's okay. That's, that's not bad. I don't like when a woman says, make love to me. It's, it's intimidating. The last time a woman said that to me, I wound up apologizing to her. Really? That's a lot of pressure. Make love to me. What am I, in the circus? What if I can't deliver? Oh, come on. I, I can't perform under pressure. That's why I never play anything for money. I choke. I could choke tonight. And she works in my office. Can you imagine? She goes around telling everyone what happened. Oh, maybe I should cancel. I have a very bad feeling about this. George, you're thinking too much. No, I know. I can't stop it. I like to hear the hesitance from George to tell Jerry what he said, because we've all had that moment where we say something to a girl, whatever, that mm. we would never want our friends to hear us say. Oh, yeah. We mean it, but we don't want... And it's like, we're, we're afraid of what our friends are going to say when we hear it. And he says it to Jerry, and Jerry's like, that's good. That's okay. Relax, Dad. That's not bad. Yeah, I was that's like, okay. That's not bad. Yeah, I'm I like, did good, like I'm it. like, good work, Jerry. He didn't make fun of him. The last thing Jerry George needed in that moment was to be made fun of. He needs, he needs the confidence. And Jerry's like, no, no, that's good. You, that was okay <laughs> uh, but George um, he's very nervous with the pressure and everything with, if, with um, having to make love to Ava but Jerry he, he helps a lot here and he just says George you're overthinking it just, just relax just calm down he's just concerned if he chokes because as I understand this if he fucks oh, it yeah. up work, having sex with someone that you work with it could go one of two ways either you know you're the lucky guy on campus or you're the, the fucking loser forever yep. going forward Oh, George, I mean, yeah, you'd have to quit your job. <laughs> yeah, because if it goes well, then every other girl in the office is like, hey, George. <laughs> but if it goes terribly, it's like everyone just laughs at you when you walk past. It's like, I know they're laughing at me. I know they're laughing at me. I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> Elaine is having another boring conversation and Jerry rescues her with those bastards. I was like, I love that. <laughs> and yeah, and he explains that George, you know, he has to leave with Ava. He's taking the car and she's furious. How can you let him do that? part of the code yeah i have yeah. to i had no choice and then we get the stand-up about the mail the code. mail code yeah yeah no, that's <laughs> why they scrap uh space shuttle missions because a, a guy has um you know met a woman <laughs> always important to have a plan b in that case you've got to have an escape plan yeah i mean i can completely get elaine too if i'd driven to a party i wasn't really interested in being at two hours from home and the, the my ride is being taken by the guy who's the reason i'm even there to help out in the first place i'd be like what the fuck man <laughs> It's a very valid point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Elaine then confronts Ava as they walk, she's walking out with George about the fur coat. I wasn't sh- like sure about this. I just felt almost un-Elaine to be so annoyed by it all. It felt out of character. I mean, I, it I, did, I, didn't it? I'm, tr- I'm trying to recall if we'd ever sort of seen that kind of activism from Elaine before. I, I can't recall her even sort of being vegetarian or pescatarian. Don't think so. I think they just sort of threw it in there for the sake of this yeah, but, like, yeah. It, but that didn't even really go anywhere. It wasn't like the relationship fucked up because Elaine spoke up. No. It was just, oh yeah, we just wanted Elaine to have something to argue about. Well, maybe it was just a, adding a little bit of complication that yeah, turned out to be fairly uncomplicated. Yeah, anyway. But um, yeah, so she, she, she gets called a hypocrite by Ava because she eats fish. Fish don't have feelings. And I was like, uh, Elaine, I'm pretty sure fish would have feelings. Yes. And Ava's perfectly in her right to say, you know, talk to me when you stop eating fish. I'm like, that's fine. Do not fucking have a go at somebody for wearing fur if you still eat fish. They're all animals. Don't you agree? Mm, I'm going to have to think about that one a bit more. Fish uh, fucking are no different from a cow, mate. They're all got feelings. True, but there are 
degrees of feelings with it. If you if you choose, if no, that's, that's just like someone they fucking went religious and they choose pick and choose what parts of the Bible they follow. Like, yeah. it's, it's either you fucking love animals or you don't. You can't just pick and choose. And then, oh, I mean, that's fine. If you want to be pescatarian, that is fine. But do not judge somebody for wearing fur oh, if you no, fucking I, eat fish. Well, I don't judge anybody. <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah, it's, it's the people who, like, you can't judge somebody if you're still going to eat any form of animal. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, no. The, the thing I despise most, the trait that I, everybody's got a trait they hate the most and mine is hypocrisy. I don't like it. That's why I I tend to be fairly sort of on the fence on most issues. It's like- I'm, I'm shit to all people. <laughs> pretty much. It's like, <laughs> eh, I could call you out, but you'd probably find something to call me out about. So, eh, do I'm you think- I'm riddled with you know, mistakes. Yeah, you know, unless you're like murdering children or some shit like that. I mean, yeah. like, dude, not cool. It's like, yeah, well, you eat meat. I'm like- you killed a kid. <laughs> my, my motto is, if what someone's doing isn't hurting anybody or indirectly hurting somebody else, I don't care. Oh, yeah. Two great uh, sayings, live and let live, and also do unto others as you would be done unto. He, he then says he's going to go call Kramer, Jerry says here, and he goes to ask Steve if he can use his phone. I've just got here. Steve seems cool. Right? Make yeah. a little, little joke, and Jerry's like, Hey, you made a funny. <laughs> and he um, gets through to Kramer and Kramer agrees to go pick him up. So he starts giving directions. We come back and everyone's now gone and it's just left. It's two in the morning and Elaine and Joe are the only ones there. And the wife is not happy. Fuming. But uh, yeah. and the worst thing is we're in the pre-mobile days. Yeah, I'd be, I would also be very annoyed if like. Oh God. Yeah. If these people who I'd never met, who I didn't really like were just in our house. I'd be like, for fuck's sake, can you just. Wait out the front. Like, fuck off. <laughs> Here's a blanket. We've got a little chair. We've got a, you know, a little bench on the veranda. Just go sit on that. I don't care if you freeze. No, exactly. And, um, yeah, I like the small talk. We really appreciate this yelling oh. across the room. I'm um, just making the small talk, as we said. They bring up the, the Mike Wicked, the plastic straw story. And then Kramer walks past the fucking window. I'm like, <laughs> couldn't be any more Kramer. Scares the wife. She's like, that's it. I'm going to bed. He's here finally. He knocks on the door. And he, oh no, he says here, the only way I found this place because I forgot the address blew out. Did it, didn't he say it blew out the window? Something like that, yeah. He didn't have a window. The convertible roof was down. Oh. I just, it just dawned on me. He wouldn't have had a roof in the first place, a window in the first place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Interesting theory. Anyway, but yeah, he knocked on various doors until he found, which had the same four digits until he found the right one. This, that's, this reminded me, sorry, this is a bit of a. Mm. Tangent story, as I'm prone to do, but I'm reminded of a time before I had my license uh, when I was driving out to my friend Tony's place, who lived out in sort of around Leopold. Who was driving, Bobby or? Bobby was driving. Yeah. And I couldn't, I knew where Tony lived. I didn't know his exact address, but I was like, oh, I'll know the street when I see it. That's like in ET when when they're like, go to the drive to the playground now. It's like, what's the playground? I don't know, streets. Mum always drives me. <laughs> <laughs> But we were driving out there, and I'm like, I think it's this street. And yeah. it's like, is it this one or not? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just like, for get, sake. this is Saturday night. Dad's you know, clearly got better things to do than drive my sorry ass around. In the end, we had to go to someone's house, and I had to look up Tony's address in their phone book. That's amazing. <laughs> what a like, story. Oh, it's it's another couple of blocks down. How do you approach someone and say, can I please use your phone book? <laughs> Dad's probably kind of just, I wasn't looking at Bobby. Bobby's probably just going, mm. 
just shrugging his shoulder. Like, I'm Bobby fucking Davis. I'm using your phone book. <laughs> this fucking kid. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Were you, were, in that moment, were you just like embarrassed? Were you sorry? Were you scared? I was all of the above. I was so ashamed. <laughs> Like, I think oh, no, I know where I'm going. I hate it when, like, you, you know the person that is helping you is pissed off. It's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I know. They were perfectly fine with it, but it was just like. No, no, I mean, the, I mean your dad. Like, you know your dad's oh, getting pissed. It's like, I'm really sorry, Dad. I know you're helping me. You don't know what to say. It's like, you just you just keep apologizing. It's like, yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm really oh. sorry. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, I felt so bad. I just felt Dad was just looking at me like, you dope. <laughs> Get it right. Oh man, good story. <laughs> uh, but uh, Kramer says he's going to drive them home. Oh, before that, though, um, we get the uh, giving Steve the card and says, "You know, if you're ever in New York, you're ever in the city, come hit me up." Which yeah. he's going to regret soon. And then he says, "If you've got to get the roof down, the convertible, it's going to be cold drive home." What were you going to say? No, no. I mean, it's it's a good move by Jerry. I mean, Jerry's doing some. He's being a good fella in this episode. I mean, well, Steve was cool the whole time. He was like, "Yeah, yeah these but guys." It was very much a thing of like. This isn't going to be tit for tat. I mean, it's like, yeah, come into the city. I'll get you into a comedy club for nothing or something and maybe say, hey, this is my buddy Steve. Help me out. Meet Rodney Dangerfield or some shit like that. Yeah. Not come to my place, put your feet up on my coffee table, <laughs> even though that's what Jerry's done for the last few hours. I think that, I don't think that's what Jerry was expecting because I think Jerry would be the kind of person who's like, don't like strangers in my apartment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was surprised what happens in the next scene here. So we're at Jerry's apartment. He's on the phone with George saying he and Elena have been sick all week due to driving home in the cold for so long. And he says, well, I'll meet you down at the drugstore. I need to pick up some medication. So he says, I'll meet you at the drugstore soon. This is where Steve Pocatillo arrives. And uh, yeah, it's a really awkward situation because he feels like Jerry is stiffing him. But Jerry's like, I'm not stiffing you. I, I don't actually want to hang out with you either. Yeah. But like, I'm not stiffing. I've actually got a reason not to be here. So he's just like, you know. Just hang out in my apartment for a while until your ride gets here. I'll go here. No way. That would never happen in my life. I would never, ever let someone I've just fucking met in my house and leave them there. Not happening. That happened so, to me once. <laughs> sort you of. Left, well, you had to stay there or you left someone in your house? I don't know if I've ever told you this. To- no. <laughs> um, my friend Stephen, Stephen Howells, had been uh, working overseas in his gap year at a, at a school in England and- one, um, How long ago was this? This is in the this is in the late eighties. Okay, this is like nineteen eighty nine or something. So you're in your twenties, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was about nineteen or twenty. Yeah. And a couple of years later, or a year or so later, one of the girls that he got because he was about nineteen when he went over and worked as a teaching assistant at this school. One of the girls who was in sixth form, you know, she graduates. She's like, I'm coming out to Australia. Uh, she came down to Geelong. We all had a day of. We were like, oh, we'll all go to the beach. I ended up driving this girl who was just, she was a bit avarish. She was just gorgeous, sophisticated, English. Here I am. Oh, should we go to the beach? Um, <laughs> but I ended up driving her around. It's like, yeah. but and it's it's almost a sort of an adjunct to the Bobby story. Because I couldn't find, I got separated from our crew, from our squad. And we would just end up going to all these beaches around the surf coast. No, they're not here. <laughs> so I ended up spending the <laughs> How day. How many with- beaches deep were you into this drive where she's just like, is he just driving me around deliberately getting it wrong? I was terrified that she's thinking, oh, first of all, I'm stuck with this dork. Secondly, I'm stuck with this dork who might be a criminal. Yeah. Who, who might be like a murderer. You uh- go, I'm not a rapist, I promise. She's like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that I hadn't even considered that. <laughs> By the end of the day, I mean, 
we went to like three or four beaches and still couldn't find anyone, but we're driving to, and we actually, you know, started having a very nice time together, having a chat and talking and all that. I had to work that afternoon or that, that evening at the, um, at the reception center where I was a waiter. So we went back to, to my house. I was living in a very nice house at the time, had a pool. We went for a swim before I had to go to work. And it just, it, it dawned on me like years later, it's like she was swimming very close and enjoying my company. I probably could have made out with this girl. And what did I say? I'm going to have to go to work now, but you can hang around here. Because I got in touch with Housie and said, she's at my place. And they're like, well, we're down on the coast. We'll be back soon. <laughs> I got in touch with Housie's parents who then, yeah, it, it all worked out yeah, eventually. Yeah. You left her. You're like, I, you're like the dude from American Pie. I am. I said to, <laughs> I said to my mum, will you look after this girl? Oh, no. Housie won't be long. <laughs> She's sitting there thinking, what a dork. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, I was going to make your, out with your, this dickhead. No, your mum, I'm saying. Your mum's like, what a dork. Even my mum's like, <laughs> you can quit your job. <laughs> we'll give you the money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, and it, it just struck me a few years down the track. I was like, I, think she, I, you know, I don't think she would have minded me coming on to her. I don't think there's many men in the world who don't have one of those stories where you look back and go, I probably could have gone further there and I chicken shit it out. Like, you know, we mm. always just, I mean, a part of you probably thought I could do something about this, but you subconsciously were just like, no, no, I'm too scared. You went full stands and you talked yourself oh, out yeah. of it. Like you probably didn't subcon- you probably didn't just go out and go, I'm too scared to do anything with this. But in- your subconscious was like, you're not good enough. You're not no. worthy. Go to work. Get away. Get out. Abort. Abort. Well, that's kind of my default mode where it was at that stage. Like, what? No, me? You? Yeah. No, no. Me as well. I had like zero confidence. I was like, I yeah. talked to big game. When it came down to the crunch, I was like, I'm scared now. Yeah. But when it came down, came right down to it, I mean, it just never even entered my mind. Yeah. I could have made yeah. That I could have put a move on this girl. And then, yeah, you sort of put the piece together in hindsight and maybe you're, you know, big upping yourself a little bit. It's like, probably could have. Have you ever Facebook stalked her since? Oh, yeah, we're Facebook friends now. But, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I think before I met, before I met Louise, I was kind of like, eh, let's, oh, okay, there she is. And, you oh, know, you she, married with three kids. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that is the case. She's living in Spain with some dude and, you know, runs like a mountain biking company or something. You stand here, that could be me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, everything worked out the way it should. Exactly right. Exactly right. Nothing beats love of Louise, does it? No one beats the lovely Louise. And I'll beat you if you try to beat the lovely Louise. Except for the the, the nice Nicola. Well, that's true. What, what's, another, what's another N word we can have for Nicola? You've got the lovely Louise. That just rolls better. What's mm. It's going to have to be an N. We need that alliteration con, con, mm. continuing. What could it be? Nice Nicola sounds shit. Um, I like Nicola the Great. Nicola the Great? Let's go with Nicola the Great. <laughs> Nicola the Great <laughs> it is. Anyway, so we're now at the, uh, at the drugstore and... As George was is discussing with Jerry, you know, it went well, but now at work, it's just every every day feels like a date now at work. Mm. I, I can't do it anymore. It's just it's too hard. You know, before I was dating her, I was having fun. Now I'm constantly trying to think of. Well, it, it did the conversation go well? The conversation went well. I don't go to the bathroom anymore. It's just it's just way too hard. Overthinking it as he usually does, and he says, "Well, it's too hard, so I'm just going to quit my job." <laughs> <laughs> the party, Long Island, Kramer, yeah. right? <laughs> hey, what are you doing here? I'm waiting for my ride. Where's Jerry? He's split. Let me ask you something. Is there anything to drink in here? Or is that like a stupid question? Uh, well, uh, Jerry, he doesn't have anything. Well, but I, I might have something. Yeah. 
Jerry then finds medication that costs $9.60. So George goes, give it to me. I've got this. <laughs> and, I, and my first thought was George is going to take it to the counter and say, you're going to give this to me for free because you want yeah. more money. No, he went one step further. He just put it straight in his jacket. No, I, like, I knew he was going to shoplift it. I was like, oh, no. It's not going to end well. <laughs> Security guard sees him. Have you ever tried to shoplifting? You have shoplifting got caught, didn't you, once? Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Describe the feeling of going, oh, fuck. Because it was, wasn't it Maya? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that story. What was it that you stole, though? I can't remember. Cheap ass sunglasses. Sunglasses. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I remember. Not even Ray Bans. Ray Ban knockoffs. I remember once, and it was even more embarrassing because I didn't mean to shoplift, but I'd put something under the. This was only about two years ago, three years ago. It was in Kmart in Cry Village, mm-hmm. you know, Shoplift Central. And I'd put something <laughs> in the pram for Elliot. And there was no room in, in like for him to... He kept, he kept throwing it on the floor. It was this fucking toy, like a bluey toy, I think it was. He kept throwing it on the floor. No, it was a um a Thomas toy, Thomas the Tank. And I was like, fuck it. So I chucked it under the pram. And then I'm walking out, I got my bag, and I show the security guard. I'm like, yeah, I've got the receipt, blah, blah, blah. Walk out. Beep, 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 beep. I'm like, oh. And he goes, oh, just let me check the receipt again. I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah, it all seems good. Go to walk through. Beep, 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 beep. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And he looks down and he goes, oh, what's that underneath there? And I was like, I, I was like immediately I was like, uh, blah, 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 blah. I was like, the stuttering <laughs> over my words. I like, know oh, uh, he he threw. It. I didn't mean it. He did it. It's all him. It was the child. I tell you, I tapped the child, and he was just like, oh, I don't fucking care. You, do you want me to just put it? I was like, here, take it. He like took it and put it away. I, I walked off my merry way. But I panicked, man. I thought I was gonna get like arrested. It was a fucking like ten dollar Thomas toy. <laughs> And it's such a pissy crime to get busted for as well. Yeah, I know so. too. I'm just like, I, I, I literally threw Ali under the bus. I'm like, I hey, know he was throwing on the floor. It wasn't it, me. I tell it you, was it, it was the child. <laughs> it was the child. It was the butterfly. I tell you, the butterfly. But yeah, so then he gets caught, obviously, and as he gets escorted away by security, can I still buy this or is this evidence, evidence. now? We then get back to Jerry's apartment and Kramer and Steve are having a a great time, just talking about the uh, the, the Dove story. And that the, they turned brown. That is the, it, but to me, though, the, the laugh almost felt a bit over the top, even for Seinfeld standards. I was like, eh, I, I, whatever. But then Steve suggests that they get an escort, and Kramer's like, nah, I've got to go on the next building. I'm like, that's one thing about Kramer. He's loyal, isn't he? He is indeed. Could have been, he, you know, he could have been seeing this girl for like three days. He's like, nah, I've got a girl in the other building. I love that. I've got a, I got a girl in the, in the next building. <laughs> Jerry arrives home, and he hears the escort saying, I ain't going anywhere without my money. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, for fuck's sake, what's going on in here? He walks in. And Patty's there. She's demanding that he, that Steve pays the money. Steve's just drunk and just not being a very nice person, is he? Not really, no. No. Sort of really, know, um, really sexist and demoralizing. And well, who, who gets a call girl in a, in a stranger's apartment? Yeah. Yeah, not good. And when you're married. <laughs> that, that too. That, that wasn't even addressed, the fact that he's married. <laughs> yeah. It was just, yeah. Like, not, not once did Jerry go, you've got a wife. Like, it wasn't even brought mm. up at all. Um. But yeah, so his ride arrives, so he just bails on him. And Jerry says, look, I'll pay up. 50, starts paying 50 bucks. Does invite him to a party, though. He but does, yes. Weekend um, of the 26th. Yep. And as he's um, as Jerry's paying the cash to Patty, the cops arrive. Why were the cops going to be... Why were they there again? I don't know. I mean, why were the cops... They must have had a reason. Maybe just because they got a... Maybe they got a call. call an anonymous call about an escort or something. Maybe. Could I'm be. not sure. Um, they arrive. Elaine arrives at the same time. She gets angry about the real fur. I was like, "Yeah, just- oh boy!" But I love that both Jerry and the copper. Oh boy! Yeah, I guess that's. I guess the payoff is we get to get the oh boy moment. Even the cops are like, "Oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> um, Jerry and George are then discussing the cops. You had Sergeant Chadwick. Me too. He was a nice guy. Oh, great guy. Was there a red-headed guy there? 
The one with the long sideburns? Yeah. Where does he come off? I know, there's no call for that kind of attitude. One of the guys in my cell threw a piece of gum at him. Oh, we all hated him. <laughs> there's two types of favors, the big favor and the small favor. You can measure the size of the favor by the pause that a person takes after they ask you to do me a favor. <laughs> small favor, small pause. Can you do me a favor, hand me that pencil? No pause at all. Big favors are, could you do me a favor? But yes, so that is The Stranded, a very sort of subdued episode to what we've been getting recently. A bit subdued, a bit disjointed, a little up and down in its tone. Definitely had its moments, but it didn't feel like, because now they tend to do the whole four really good stories intertwining into one main story. It felt like a step back, which, funnily enough, it was. Yes. I mean, it wasn't a terrible episode, but um, it was perfectly acceptable for a season two episode. (laughs) Unfortunately- It's in season three. Now, next week, we're going to be reviewing the alternate side, which I'm looking forward to reviewing. But before that, before we wrap this up, we've had a few Mm -hmm. questions come through from the mailbag. Because the mail never stops. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. There's never a let up. It's relentless. TalkingSeinfeld at gmail.com. If you do have a question or a message for us, you can contact us that way. TalkingSeinfeld at gmail.com. We would love to hear from each and every one of you. And also, if you could take the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you do listen to this podcast, that would be great as well. Let other people know how much you love the show. Right, so first question here comes from Chris Mastern. He's from Stoke-on-Trent. And Chris says, Hey guys, loving the show. Great hearing an Aussie perspective for a change. I feel it's very similar to my own. Uh, As a physical media nerd myself, I always loved how much effort went into the Seinfeld special features on their DVD sets. So I was wondering, what TV shows have your favourite special features? Thanks again for all that you do with Four Finger Discount. Love that as well. That's where I found you guys. We'll soon be becoming a patron to hear your Futurama show. Well, thanks, Chris. Do appreciate that. Thank you, Chris. Um, Yeah, so which TV shows have your favourite special features? For me, obviously, it's The Simpsons. I loved the simpsons the simpsons are what got me into audio commentaries i'd never heard audio commentary didn't know what it was before i got the season one simpsons dvd set but hearing the creators talk about the show by that point i think it was 2001 when that first came out so it would have been like 12-ish 11 12 i was more interested in hearing that listening to that than i was watching the actual episode by that point i was like i've watched these episodes a million times now hearing them talk about how they made the show that was like nerd alert i was like this is fucking great i love that so audio commentaries were a big thing when i was buying dvd sets if a TV show didn't have an audio commentary um, channel for the episodes, I was like, eh, do I want to invest in this? But that was the big thing for me. What about you? Yeah. Well, we've talked about it on the South Park show, how, uh, you know, they, at least at least with the first season, they had the intros to each episode mm. and, the, yeah, a lot of effort went into those. Feeding was, pigs bacon and stuff. All that kind of stuff. Yeah, that was very, very enjoyable. The Buffy the Vampire Slayer big box set had a lot of uh, additional features. So did the Battlestar Galactica one, the reboot. Okay. Uh, from the yep. mid two thousands, yeah, well, which I'm very happy to have sitting pride of place over there somewhere. Mash uh, has a lot of special features. The DVD set, yeah, does it now? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm a big Mash fan. I love Mash. Yeah, they're the ones that really spring to uh, that really spring to mind for me at the moment. Yep. Okay. Uh, this next one comes from Natalie, and Hello, Natalie, Natalie says, "Hi." She doesn't say where she's from. Just says Natalie. Uh, Hi, guy and Dando, a fellow Aussie Seinfeld fan here. I can't tell you how excited I was to learn there was an Australian-based Seinfeld podcast on my favorite show. It really helps with the nostalgia of remembering what it was like growing up with the show airing on Channel 10. I believe Seinfeld never really got the love it deserved back in the 90s here in Australia. It's almost like our sense of humour as a nation um, has changed or finally caught up since then. 
Uh, none of my friends at the time really watched Seinfeld. They were more about friends. P.S. Dando, I love your wife, Nicola, and I can't wait to hear more episode reviews of Friends with her. Oh. Uh, okay, long-winded, I know, but I was wondering if there is any, if there are any TV shows from the 90s that you think don't get the love they deserve to this day? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I'm always a big defender of Third Rock from the Sun. I love Third Rock from the Sun. <laughs> and you never see it anywhere anymore. I love Third Rock from the Sun. And I really loved Ryan Reynolds' breakout role in um, Two Guys Are Going to Pizza Place. That was always one of my favorites. The first two seasons of Two Guys Are Going to Pizza Place, great. When it becomes Two Guys and a Girl, when they get rid of the pizza place, the show sort of didn't fall off a cliff, but it wasn't the same. Two Guys Are Going to Pizza Place, season one and two, one of my favorite sitcoms ever. And yeah, you just never hear anyone talking about it anymore. They're two shows. What about you? Any, yeah. any shows from the 90s? I kind of enjoyed Just Shoot. Oh, how great Just Shoot Me. It's fantastic. Yeah, I yeah. think it started like 97-ish. Yeah, so it tra- went through for about, I think, six seasons, I think. I think so, yeah. Very so underrated. It sort of it blew into the 2000s. But yeah, funny show. Great, great ensemble cast. Very, very good cast indeed. Yeah, and some great guest stars as well. Yeah, yeah. It was um, it was big at the time, but another one of those shows that just never seems to get the love anymore. Yeah, it's no. funny. I, I feel like they, we're at a point now, and it's the same, after watching Prey last night, I read a couple of reviews on it, and I agree it's time for a change. I think people are very sick of the same, same. So when it comes to cinema, for example, it's always you know, a fucking superhero movie or it's a mm. reboot. And this Prey was just a breath of fresh air. You know, it's a it's a take on an original concept with Predator and it's part of that 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 um, that franchise. But it felt new. It felt different. It felt original. Mm. And there's just so there's just not enough of it these days, particularly with like the sci-fi horror genre. Um, with, with TV though. They need to bring back that classic sitcom vibe. The last show that the successful one, I guess, was Big Bang Theory. Wasn't a huge fan of the show, but just the nostalgia for that in front of a live show audience. I think we're ready for it again. True. Look, it's it's a little tough these days with the way television and streaming and all that yep. is evolving. Uh, but yeah, you know, apparently there are quite some successful some quite successful sitcoms on free to air slash commercial TV. There's one called Abbott Elementary. That is, um, I think it plays on Disney Plus here, actually. I'm not sure if it plays on any of the free-to-wear channels, but it's being regarded as like, oh, this is a bit of a classic sitcom. It's sort of got a bit of an office vibe to it, set in a, in an elementary school. It's got that sort of mockumentary thing to it. But it's, so that's, that's the know. thing, though. I'm sick of fucking mockumentary styles. Like, that's what, I'm, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Every fucking comedy now is a mockumentary style. The office has fucked it up for everyone. And then I like guess, Modern yeah. Family, for example, like it's fine. They're good. They work. But, like, can we do something different? Like, why does every fucking comedy have to have a cutaway? You know what it does? It reminds me of reality shows. That's mm. a rea- that's a reality show structure. Oh, yeah. Look, I'm not, I mean, what I've seen of Abbott Elementary, I'm like, yeah, I'm not a fan of that sort of occasionally breaking the fourth wall. Like, oh, you see what's going on here? It's like, eh. No, no. no. I'll, I'll just give me in front of a live studio audience. I don't know. <laughs> Call me old. I don't know. But I just feel like now it's we're ready for it. We want to. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what the sort of the last great, well, what I mean, something like 30 Rock or Community, they weren't filmed in front of a live studio audience, but, uh, but they struck me as like, having- even, even that doesn't feel like a traditional sitcom. You know what no, I mean? I guess not. Even yeah. Community. I mean, I love Community. Love, love 30 Rock. But it's not, it's not, the last one for me, I think, that really felt like a 1970s family sitcom was mm-hmm. Raymond. Okay. Well, can you think of anything since Raymond that just felt like, not same really, premise no. in the household, same set every week, similar gags, but always seem to work. Not that I've watched. No. Bring it back. It's time for you to write one, Mr. Davis. Make it happen. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
<laughs> crack him out this. So what, what, what shows from the, from the 90s did you say? Just shoot me. Just shoot that's me. That's, that's yeah, the good, one for me. Good answer. All right. Well, thank you for the questions, guys. TalkingSideFloat at gmail.com if you do want to get in contact with us. Rate review us on Apple Podcasts. Next episode of Talking Sideflow, we will be reviewing the alternate side. So look out for that one popping up in your feeds in the next two weeks. All right, Mr. Davis, this has been a hell of a good time. The Stranded, not the greatest episode of all time, but it's always fun chatting with you. Any final words for those amazing listeners out there? Not for them, but for you, Dando. Mm -hmm. I long for you.